Welcome to the Valley View Podcast. My name is Caleb Chamberlain, and I'm the pastor here at Valley View Church. We are so grateful that you are joining our church family as we pursue the Lord's heart and His plan for all of us. It is our desire to grow, and we are excited that you get to join us in this adventure. So grab your Bible and prepare your heart to seek God's face. We talked about last week, so when we talk about fasted lifestyle, I think about the word consumed. It was the word that came to mind before we even talked about pursuing the fasted lifestyle. I was like, man, that word consumed. We're consumed by God. We're like totally wrapped up in his love. And he's also consuming us. He's burning away the things that are not of value, right? We're consumed by God. We're in love with him. He's consuming us, our hearts, and the things that won't last or aren't of lasting value, they're going to be consumed as well. We talked about choosing a fasted lifestyle is being consumed by God, and it's establishing the first commandment first. Uh, I just, we've, I'm going to go through a few passages real quick, just kind of just get, catch us all up, maybe. Make sure it's on. It's on. Now it's on. <laughs> um, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. This is just a very, just, just kind of a really, when you start thinking about like what's going to last, because like really, when you come to the end of your life, I know some of us are like, we're gonna hit, or you maybe you've had a near death experience. You're like, you start thinking of things differently. You're like, wow, you start thinking, man, that stuff was a waste of time, wasn't it? You know, you start thinking about like, what what is the value of my time? What am I doing um, with this time that I have left? What's precious to me? Like you talk about, what are you gonna take out if your house catches on fire? You start thinking of the values, things that will last. Um, and it really becomes though, just a few things when it comes down to it, just a few things that matter. And it talks about Hebrews 12, 29. Our God is a consuming fire. He's going to consume. He is holy. He's going to consume anything that doesn't last. It's going to be burned away. Because before, in that first, uh, the first Corinthians, it's talking about building on the foundation, which is God. So we have to build it on him. And then we, we give him the things, but the things don't last. I mean, man, we're going to find some programs and things that we've been investing into that won't last. They just won't last. They don't, I mean, it's, it's going to go away. It's going to be burnt up. But my desire is to say, God, I have this money. I have this time. I have these resources. What can I do? I have this heart that's burning for you. What can I give you that will be of value? And he talks about Mark 12, 30. This is the, the whole crux of it all. We, we focus on him, loving him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all of your, our strength. We, we're giving it to God. Everything we have is his because he knows what is best for us. Like, again, he's not desperate. He's not a desperate God. He chose us. He wants us. He desires us. And as a father sees us and knows what's best for us, he's saying, look at me, come to me, love me with all that you are. Give it to me. Don't give it to other, because like, you know, we're either, we are either giving our, our, our heart, soul, mind, and strength to something else, or we're giving it to him. There is no other. We give it to him or we give it to something else. You know, we think about our passions, our hopes and our emotions, our love. Even like if you give it to another lover, you know, like that would be wrong. He's like, you can choose me or you can choose another lover. I love you though. I know what's best for you. I have the best in mind for you. So come to me. And then, man, we were watching the chosen season finale. I won't spoil it, but I will tell you what, if you guys are watching it, please, I encourage you to watch the chosen. It's not like, 
I will encourage you, it's not a biblical replacement. Do not make it a biblical replacement. But it's just fascinating to think about Jesus three-dimensionally. And this passage came up to this, uh, Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and, will, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When we're giving him our best, when we're coming to him, because really this is, this is our state of life, we are weary and burdened. We are weary and burdened and we are so tired. This is how God found us, pretty miserable. He's like, but no, come to me. You guys are carrying these burdens. You're either taking these burdens and trying to get some answer to it, some, you know, some fix, you know, like, I mean, that's why people drink. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with drinking per se, but when we go to drink for that, when we go to food for that, when we go to friends and, and just and other ideals and the things that feel good to us, that, but they don't really satisfy, he's like, no, come to me because you're not finding rest there. Come to me and I'll give you rest. Come to me. I am gentle and humble in heart. I will go rest here for your souls. I will give you a burden that is light. I will be there for you. So come to me, look at me, love me with all that you are. In 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, therefore, and this is the passage that just came to mind last week, but right before we kicked it off, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. We are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We're coming to him. We're giving ourselves. I mean, and it's, this is what's so hard. When we're coming to him and we're giving everything that we are, and we see some of the things kind of wasting away around us, there's that momentary like, oh, I don't want that to go away. Like that's, he's like, this is okay. It's okay. Don't worry about that. That wasn't what was supposed to happen. That wasn't the important thing. That wasn't the thing you clung to. That's the things that aren't going to last. Come to me, love me with all that you are, and don't lose heart. Keep coming to me because you're going to waste away. The things of this earth are going to waste away. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. We're fixing our eyes on Jesus, the one that is eternal, the one that is for us and wants the best for us. And I actually did put as a bullet point here, uh, the fasted lifestyle, I, t- I talked about it a little bit last week. It's a life spent in surrender to God. It's a life spent seeking after God, His desiring him with all that we are, our heart, our mind, our soul, and strength. And it's not a bartering tool. He's just saying, like, I'm just letting you know, I'm not bar- you can't win my affection because you fasted. I'm, you're not winning my affection because you gave up these things. Like, look at what we gave up because he's like, no, that, do you remember I talked about this? Look at what we've done for you in your kingdom. Look at what we've given up. He's like, that doesn't matter because you didn't love me. The love that you have for me, it's not a bartering tool. It's clinging to God in humility and love. It's a life walking in humility, surrendering to his ways. And it's a lifestyle of fascination. We are actively dropping the things that hinder us, that have and used to fascinate us. And we are saying, God, you alone fascinate me. Now we're going to, we're, we're catching up. Now we're, now we're actually where we left off last time with Psalm 37, four through seven. Take delight, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, some of us like to think that it's, it's a, 
hey, I love you, God, so can you give me some stuff? <laughs> you know, it's like, that's not how he works. He's like, no, look at me, love me, and I will give you the desires of your heart, but it's gonna come in a way that you're gonna feel more in alignment with his heart because he's like, no, when you're loving me with your whole, your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, you're giving those up. You're saying, this is yours, Lord. I'm giving it all to you because this is, I'm looking at you. I'm taking delight in you. I'm in love with you. I'm giving you everything that I have. Then, because of that, we're, we're, we're placing ourselves and our, his yoke. His yoke is different. His desires are different. They're godly. They're perfect. They're pure. And he's like, I will give you those desires. I will fulfill those desires of your heart because I put them in there. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. Man, commit your way to the Lord. Fully committed, fully in. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord. It talks about that in verse seven. I don't know if that's on there. There it is. The verse seven is missing. Okay. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. He's like, stop worrying about what else is winning, what everybody's gaining, because everyone's gaining everything, but they're losing their soul. He's like, so what? Don't forfeit that. Don't worry about the gaining. Look about what you're not, or even what you're losing out on. He's like, no, look at me. Give me the desires of your heart. As we delight in him, he gives us those desires. And we, as we establish the first commandment as the one thing that matters, he, he gives us desires and he fulfills them. It's just so incredible. I mean, who finds that incredible? Like God puts desires in our heart. I'm going to actually touch on it a little bit. Um, and then we're going to, we'll be talking as we go along with this thing. But choosing, this is the first point, choosing a fasted lifestyle, we're actively pursuing godly fascination. God has given us longings, things in our heart. I mean, and some of us are like, no, that's a sinful nature. I'm like, oh, it's like, no, it's what you do with it that's sinful. But God put him in there first. He created you. He created you. He gave us longings. And this is, um, I love, man, praise God for this uh, dear brother in Christ, Mike Bickle. He just, he wrote this out in such a succinct way. The longing to be enjoyed by God. Who wants to be enjoyed? Like just people like you. They enjoy you. Like, man, they enjoy my company. Like, whenever you're like, man, I just love seeing you. Like, who loves hearing that? Like, oh, it's so good hanging out with you. I'm enjoyed by. We want to be enjoyed by God. And that's the reality. He does enjoy us. We have the longing for beauty. I'm sorry, but if you don't say, as men, if you're like saying, like, you don't like beautiful things, I think we're all lying to ourselves. We love beautiful things. Men and women love beautiful things. We love sunsets. We love, we love to be, we're fascinated by beauty. We love looking at it. It's just, and again, the world has corrupted beauty, but we are, God has created us to be fascinated, to love, to have that longing for beauty. The longing for greatness. Who wants to be great? Must become the least. He's like, but no, but that's the reality. All of us desire to be great. Now, that doesn't mean we need to become present. That doesn't mean we need to be, but we all want to do something like, I mean, Ben, like if you, you're like, I don't want to be an okay artist. I want to be a great artist. I want to do a really great job. I really, that's, that's something I always long to do. I'm like, I know I won't be this person, but I would love to be really great at what I do. I mean, I, I would say like, if you want, you don't want to be a, a terrible artist or an okay artist. Like you're not satisfied. Our God gave us the longing for like, I want to do a good job. I want to be great at what I do. 
Now, I'm not great yet, but that's my longing. I want to be great. I also want people to be great in the kingdom. So like the, I mean, again, the, the disciples were arguing about who is the greatest. Um, everyone wants to be great. He's like, I put that longing in your heart to be great. The longing for intimacy. We talk about intimacy, but also without shame. That vulnerability, being around people, being totally opened up. Man, who wants to be fully vulnerable? <laughs> not very many people, I would say. Is it, it's, it's because there's shame wrapped up in it. Because once you say, hey, by the way, I want to tell you this little nugget about me and start sharing how you're doing, and it isn't great. You're like, but what if people, because then there's a shame, like that's, that's what keeps us from vulnerability. That's what keeps us from being fully like exposed. There's that, like, that song that's like being fully known and fully loved. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a very scary place to be, but God desires to be, he's like, first of all, I want you to be fully known by me. I want to fully know you. I want to fully know everything about you, but I also want you to know I fully love you. I fully love you. I don't hold back. I don't even change my, 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 my degree of love doesn't change. My love is there. The longing to be wholehearted to give something of yourself. Man, like we know that sometimes we get burnt out and tired nowadays, but that's because we like, but you remember the passion of your youth? You think about when you're young, like when you're like zealous, you wanted to do cool things. Like, oh man, I want to be all in. Like, I don't know what that looks like, but I want to be all in. Like, I want to give myself to this. And like, and that's what we're seeing in this generation. We may criticize this generation now, but I'm seeing something different. This is what their desire is. It's misplaced desire. You hear people protesting. You get angry about these big passionate things. Whether you agree with them or not, they're passionate because they want to be wholehearted in something. They just don't know what it is. And the problem is sometimes they get lost in that. And then they get in the swirl of that. And then they get spun out of that. And then they're just lost. But man, that's our desire. It's like, God, I put that place in your heart. I put that longing in you to be wholehearted. The longing to make a deep and lasting impact. Man, does it, don't, who, okay, I'm sorry. Who wants to make a deep and lasting impact? Like, mean something. When you go out, I want it to mean something, right? I don't want it to be like, well, I was here and now I'm dead. <laughs> that, is that what, you, that's the reality. I mean, we're going to be here and then we're going to be gone. That's the reality, but for you, like, it doesn't have to be thousands or millions. What if you made a big impact in one, one person's life? That's, I mean, that's, that's the reality. God placed in our hearts the longing to make a deep and lasting impact, to make a difference. And if you don't engage with that now, wait till you're on your deathbed. You're going to be thinking of the things that did not matter. You're going to think of the things that you regret not doing. Like, man, I didn't make a difference in one person's life. I've heard that. It's like, they're, oh, what did I even do? I spent all this time at work. I spent all this time on this. I didn't spend enough time on where the things that mattered, where I could have made the most lasting impact. There's regret. There's shame. But God's like, no, I've designed you to make lasting, deep impact. And the last one, the longing for fascination. There's so much that's clawing for our eyes. If you, you just, sometimes you can almost feel it when you start thinking about it. You're like, I feel like my eyes, there's just things that are scratching at my eyes for attention, just wanting my attention. Things that are good, things that are bad, things that are just distractions. He's like, no, but fascination. 
He doesn't want us to become complacent because, again, like we can misplace fascination. I know people that, you know, they love movies. They've watched movies and they, they enjoy movies and they used to really, really enjoy the movies. But now they just go to movies because they want that fascination. But the reality is they're dull in their spirit. Like I get around, I'm like, I met, I, there were friends of mine. I used to go with them. I just would hang out with them. We'd talk about it. But then as I didn't do it as often, they did more I would get around, I'm like, oh man, that was fun watching this and hanging out and doing this. They're like, yeah, it was okay. I'm like, was it really bad or were you just really bored? Were you just complacent? Are you becoming apathetic? Are you dull in your spirit where you can't even become sensitive anymore? He's like, no, it's because you've given all your fascination to the things that are just dulling you. They're just, just dull. You're not even a sword anymore. You're not even a, you're not even a blade to be sharpened. You are a blunt instrument now. Like, there's just no fascination there. But God created us to be fascinated, to look at him, to love him. Now, as we pursue the first commandment, we are realizing that God has given us longings. These are longings that God placed on our hearts when we fast away. And when we fast away, our flesh pursues these desires. This is what we're talking about, like fasted lifestyle. When we're talking about, okay, God, my desires, my fascination is all wrapped up in this. I'm going to give this up. You know, we did the entertainment thing, giving away entertainment. That's okay. He's like, no, give me those desires. We, we fast the way our flesh wants to do it. And we say, God, I'm going to give these back to you. Right? When we said, we gave up entertainment, I didn't say, okay, now find something else kind of entertaining, but it's not God. I said, no, replace that time with God. Godly encounter, time with God. Replace that and redirect it back to him. We love the Lord. We delight in him. It says, and again, I know if you've heard me talk about it, I've talked about it almost, I feel like every other week, Psalm 27. But it seems like to me one of those things that if he's desiring it, then I should be desiring it. If he's a man after God's own heart, then I want to be man after God's own heart. This one thing I've asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. This one thing, by the way, is not starting when things are okay. Things are rough. There's, he's talking about there's, he's being surrounded. He's not in a good place. He's not in a comfortable place. But he's not saying, I want, I want an answer from the Lord because he's going to kill the enemy. I'm like, That's what I want. I'm like, I want him to kill. He's like, no, I want to gaze upon the, upon the beauty of the Lord. That's it? Like, this is... He's taking his, the longing in his heart and he's redirecting it to God. He's saying, I, I'm not just happy with just asking you for a protection. I want to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord all the days of my life to ask him and connect with his heart and his shelter, in his temple, sorry. And he will hide me in his shelter. He's realizing when I do go to this place of godly fascination, when I, when I pursue you and I'm looking at you, and I'm desiring you, that this is when you hide me in your shelter. This is when, in the day of trouble, and you conceal me under the cover of your tent. You will lift me high upon the rock. You get perspective. He's like, when you're fascinated with me, you get perspective. When you're looking at the way I look at things, man, then you start seeing things differently around you. He's like, you're up on a rock. Your enemy isn't surrounding you anymore. You're not lost in the weeds. You're up high. You got perspective. Not only that, but you're also in my tent. So no one comes to you except through me. I am protecting you. He will hide me. He will keep keep me covered. He will protect me. Man, he says, and now, that's the whole point. And now my head shall be lifted up. I've got perspective above my enemies and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. 
Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You've said, seek my face. My heart says to you, the longing in my heart that you place in my heart. Your face, Lord, do I seek. This is it. This is the longing. And it talks about, and this is First Chronicles 16, 10 through 11. This is David again saying this glory. He's singing out glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. Man, he longs to be sought after, to be given up of our, just our time, our attention. Now, I'm not saying don't go to the Selby's house this afternoon, this evening, because you know, we're going to be watching a football game. Yeah, we're giving, we're giving some of our, our, our eye gaze, our time. But man, like, don't miss out on him. Go. If you're going to go, go. Don't feel bad. <laughs> I just want to encourage you. But the idea is like, no, it's, he's like, no, but what do you give your time to? Your money or your efforts, your, especially your, your thought life. Like, we live most of our life in here. It doesn't really happen out here. Do you realize that? Most of our life is in here. What we think about, what we meditate on, what we're fascinated on. A lot of these things don't exist in reality because we start talking about, you think about what people might say to you. Who, did, who plays that game? I think they might say this and this might happen. And then, and then before you knew it, you've excused yourself of having a conversation with the person. That happens because it all happened in here and not out here. Now, it's always a fun joy is to find out it worked out the total opposite more than I could have anticipated. That wasn't even a reality. But you spent half of your reality talking about it, and then the other reality actually happening. is. I think somebody has said, like, I think 90% of our life, our perception of life happens in our minds and not what's actually around us. I, I can't, it, but it's reality. is like, that's what we think about. It's our, our world perspective. It's all lost in here. But he's like, no, give me that, and then I can give you something else better. You won't have fear. You won't be worried. You'll be lifted high. You'll, if you're looking at me, you're wasting so much time on fear. What could happen? The things of this earth. You're like, give me that attention. Give me that focus. And then I can lift you high and you can get perspective and clarity and you won't have to worry anymore. And you're just going to spend time praising me. Man, we, he, we're lost. He's like, but Psalm 18, I'm going to keep on going because I, I, I can get lost in this. I love this. Psalm 18, 16 through 19. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of the disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out of a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. And that's important too, because I want you to realize fascination isn't one-sided. He's not saying, look at me, love me, but I don't care about you. He's like, no, I'm fascinated with you. He delighted in me. He delighted. He, he bought me at a price because he loves me. He bought me at a price because he desires me. This love that comes from him and overwhelms us, it draws us closer. He's bent towards us. He's fascinated with us. He, he draws us in through his kindness, his patience, and in the way he restrains himself or has self-control. That Romans 2, 4, if you've read it, we talked about a little bit this morning. I just happened to mention it because I'm like, well, that's, that's, that's just perfect for what we're talking about today. Do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience? Forbearance means self-control or um, being reserved, holding himself back. He's, he's holding himself back in his patience. 
not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. He's like, I'm drawing you in through my love for you, my fast, my kindness, the way I hold back myself. I love you. Come to me. Be drawn into me. Look at me. And again, 1 John 4, 9 through 10, this is how God showed his love toward us. Because I'm, I'm just trying to make sure we understand that it's not a one-sided conversation. He didn't buy us at a price so he can use us. He's like, I love you. I want relationship with you. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son in the, into the world that we might live through him. This is love. This is fascination. This is desire. Not that we have desired him or loved him, but he loved us. He desired us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That is why we don't love him first. We look at his desires. We gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, his love, his fascination. Like, oh my gosh, Lord, you love me that much? I love you. I want to love you that much. Like, you know, it's like our kids, they talk about you know, they do that thing where like, I love you so much. And then you outdo them. And they're like, I want to outdo you. It's like, it's just, that keeps on going. But first you loved your kids. You showed them love. You showed them the example of love. And then they try to reciprocate that back to you. Like, oh, you love me that much. And then they try to come up with these big phrases. And then it's, have you ever read that book? Like, I love you this much. It's like the dinosaur, like the dinosaur mom. I love you this. It's like, mom, that's not really that much. Because <laughs> the T-Rex can't really lift his arms out very far. It's, it's like, it doesn't seem like much, but like, but the idea is God loves us so much and it draws us in. It draws us into looking at him and seeking him. But when we lose sight of his love, when we lose sight and we're fascinated by all the other things of this earth, that's when we become complacent, bored, tired, and dull in our spirits. He's like, no, give me the affection. Look at my love for a minute. Just read my word, how much I love you. I chose you. I I love you. Love me in return. But the only way we can do this, again, is the Psalm 1, 2, 3, which 1, 2, 3, just, this is a good one. <laughs> but those who delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Now we talk about law. We think about our law. We think about the way, you know, don't go 50, over 55. You know, that's, that way, that's what we think about law. But he's saying your standards, the way you found, founded things, the way you operate, because God is a God of love. He's like the law and the prophets all wrapped up into what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. He's like, okay, so that's my law. That's the way I run things. That's my character. That's my nature. He's like, that's what fascinates him. He's like, those who are fascinated or delighting in the law of the Lord, the, his ways, his, his standard, who meditates on that way, who thinks about God's nature and character and how he founded things, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water. We're planted. We're firmly planted. We are growing. We're, I mean, again, you see a tree. You don't see a tree's root system, but it's always, have you ever had your tree removed from your, uh, your backyard and you're like, could you grind up all the roots? <laughs> it's a really astounding, like they reach out so far. There's, I, was burnt, I was burning one out and it just kept burning and parts of my yard would kind of start sinking because it would be burnt out. It's amazing how, and you don't even see how deep it's going. 
But the root system is there and they're seeking after the Lord. We're seeking after him, his ways. This brings us to point two. As we're choosing the fast of the lifestyle, we're becoming, or we become established and rooted in his love. We want to love God with all that we are, right? Everything, our heart, mind, soul, and strength. But this love that we have from, again, it just doesn't come from our own ability. We can't just conjure up love from that we don't have, and we can't do it. When we become a new creation, we have joined the vine that is Christ. And we're going to talk about, we talked about Jacob last time. I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit here again. But we have been established in it. We have been grafted in. We're in John 15. It says, let's see here. I'm going to bring it up here. Uh, there we go. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. We're, we are in the vine. He's bringing us in. He's like, I'm going to strengthen you. And all you have to do is stay close to me. Seek after me. Abide with me. And I will give you love that you can reciprocate back to me. I will strengthen you in your love. A fasted lifestyle isn't giving up and missing out. It's saying, God, I'm a tree. And when I fast, I'm realizing the depth of how much I need you. Does that make sense? Okay, so like if you pull a tree out of the ground, how long is it going to last? Not very long at all. If you plant a tree in a really bad soil where there's no water, how long is it going to last? If a tree stops growing and de- digging roots to find things, like right now, okay, let's talk about a gross um, example. <laughs> My front yard. <laughs> We have this wonderful thing called a sewer line out at the back. They were telling me why the roots are going and getting into our sewer line. What happened last year? Did it rain very much? It didn't rain very much. So guess what? Bless those roots. They're looking for some soil. They're looking for some sustenance. They're, ugh. And it makes me mad because I'm like, stop at roots. But they can't. They can't. They can't do that. Because otherwise, if they stop, they'll die. That tree will die. It's reaching. It's reaching for something. It's reaching for life. A fasted lifestyle is saying, God, I am a tree, acknowledging I am a tree and I need to be planted by your river. Like it says in Psalm 1, 2, 3, it says, I need to be planted by streams of water. And that's what you've done for me. I'm realizing my desperate need for you. And that's why when I fast and I'm, I give, I'm, I'm, I'm holding, like I'm giving up things. I'm like, I am not giving up and becoming complacent. I'm going, I'm digging deeper into your soil. I need you. Remember we talked about fasting this a few weeks ago, recognizing that we're spiritually barren. When we're fasting, we're setting our heart to seek the Lord. This is what we're doing. Not just a momentary meal fast. Those are really good. I encourage you to do them. In fact, I would like to set up a monthly time to do that with you. Um, or maybe it's weekly, I don't, whatever you guys want to do. I, I will set, we're going to set it up. But I just want to do that because I know that it's better for us. But as between the day fast where we're not eating or not drinking or giving up entertainment, Meanwhile, God is still commanding us to give up things that are of no value. Pursue the things that are of value. Remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Verse 5. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Zilch. 
Nothing. We like to think we could do some things without him, but we can't. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, right? He gives us the desires. This is the same thing. He's given you the desires of your heart, but he's like, no, but you remain in me and my words remain in you. Be delighting in me. Look at me. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Abide in my love. Remain in me. This is what it is. It is his love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I've kept my father's commands and remain in his love. And it's so funny because what are his commands? (laughs) Love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love one another well. One another as you love yourself. He is saying love, it's all just... It just keeps spiraling in this, back into one another. It's not, it's not, it's just, he's like, love me, abide in my love. Love me, abide in my love. Like it's, wow, it's, abide in his love, receive his love, be fascinated with his love, and then you can love one another. Because what holds us back from loving one another is the fact that we're not convinced that we are fully either, either we're not fully loved or that, how can we love others? Like, no, when we have been loved and know that God has done a work in our hearts, man, then I can love. Man, right? We talked about this. I'm gonna, we already talked about this. We talked about it. It's good. All right, Ephesians three fourteen through 19. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I know we've read this passage many times, but... This is so powerful. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and deep, high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Be rooted. He's like, I want you to be found rooted, grounded in him. I want you to have a good root system. I don't want you to fall because when the testing comes and you don't have a good root system, you know those trees, they fall. But those that are firmly planted, those that are hanging on, those that are alive, those, that, those, those are the ones that have power. Those are the ones that have to grasp it's again, I cannot fathom this, the, the width, the length, the height, the depth of his love that he has for us. He's like, when you start root reaching, he's like, I want you beginning to keep going, to keep digging those roots. Because again, that's all as a tree that we can do. We can't do anything else. We can't bear fruit by ourselves. We can dig a root system. We can seek after him. If you look at a tree, they aren't doing anything on the surface. They're just naturally growing, but it's out of the outflow of what they're doing under the surface. That's all they're doing. That's what brings life. But when we're not seeking anymore, when we become like, I have it, I'm good. Thank you, Lord. I've got my, I've, I've got my ticket punched. <laughs> I'm going, you know, I love you, Jesus. We're good. You know, we're, we're buddies. You know, like, no, he's like, no, don't become complacent. Don't become apathetic to fascination. Just don't live on what you knew. 
That's like a root, that's like a tree saying, okay, well, you know, I made a good enough for my roots. I'm good. But then he's like, but you stopped. And then guess what happens? Your fruit shrivels up. Your tree starts dying. You don't even understand you're dying yet, but you're dying. He's like, I know it's better for you. Abide in my love. Trust, stay in it. Keep root, being rooted and grounded. Because it's like, I don't want you just to be a tree that lasts for a while and then dies. That's not a good tree. That's, I mean, we were just looking at a tree, like how many years it's been. Like, you know, you look at those sequoia trees. We were just at the Boonshoft and looking all the rings, all those rings of life and time and span. And it's like, man, he's like, that's what I want for you. A tree that's been lasting, that's, that has lasting fruit, that's been staying the test of time, that has many rings, that has many encounter, godly encounters over this time, that is seeing my, to the testimony of my goodness, my faithfulness, and giving glory. Again, this is a tree. This is a tree that earnestly seeks. I seek after you. Lord, Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. There's no water. I'm getting thirsty thinking about this. Okay, I've been talking too long. I've seen you in this sanctuary and behold your glory and power in your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Man, out of this, this root system we are creating is out of sheer desperation for fulfillment. We have a longing. God, I love it. I mean, I'm just doing the things where like he placed longings in our hearts. He's like, Come to me, all you who are weary. Come to me. Why? Because we're weary. Why are we weary? Because we have longings in our heart that he created that we can't fulfill on our own self. So we come to him. Is that crazy? He put the desires in our heart. He's like, I know what you need. I'm going to give you the desire of your heart to be fascinated, to love me, to have impact. He's like, I'm going to give you those. And then guess what you're going to do? You're going to come right back to me because only I can fulfill them because I am God. I put them there. I can fulfill them there. If we are a tree, then we must do what a tree does. We must act like trees that need water, that need sustenance. Trees that aren't planted aren't actively seeking. They dry up, die out, and are burned away. But a tree that is actively digging deep into the rich soil of God's love will live, will bear fruit, and it will be in abundance. Man, it's this clinging on to his ways. So I'm, I'm, I'm here at the end. Like, so we're getting there. We're getting there. This has been so good. Like, but it's this idea. Like I can't imagine like how, how I live my life to where I'm not fully fascinated. Could you say that you're fully fascinated by God? I know a lot of, some of us are. Some of us are like, I mean, I want to. I'm not, I'm not projecting anything. I'm not like saying like, man, but what if God has more? What if, we, what if this is just 1% where we think it's 100%? What if God is saying, what if you have more for you? Not that you aren't giving yourself, but like, man, what if I have something because you are holding back that 1% that you, I open up the door to something new, to a whole new level of encounter. Like, what if I have, I'm not holding back myself, but what if you gave, you just step one more step and you get more perspective? Because, you know, like, you know, like if you, if you're far away from a door, you can only see the outline of what's there. And as you step, he's like, again, that door's been always open. He's always welcome. He wants more encounter. 
But the reality is you have to take those steps forward to him. You have to trust him. You have to press into him. And then he starts giving you bigger vision. He gives bigger perspective. You see, start seeing more outside and then you get out and then, it's, then you're there, you're fully in. And that's what he's longing for. He's like, I really want full encounter. I want, the, I want to give you the blessing. I want to be in relationship with you. I want to give you all of my love, but you need to abide in me all the days of your life. Be fascinated with me all the days of your life. I know we talked about this, and I, I love, man, Kathy, I thank you for reading this passage. I, I guess I don't have it on here. Oh, I did have it on here. Good. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has, a clean, who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god, they will receive the blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob." This, you know, the God of Jacob who, who he clung with, you know, we talked about last week, he, he fought, he wrestled for that blessing. He's wrestling. He's like, man, this is the one because he's like, I mean, he gives us the strength. How silly is it? I, I think it's so silly when I think about this picture of God and man wrestling. And I think, God, you could have done so quickly into that fight. But the desire of your heart wasn't that they would quit or that you would defeat them. The desire is that you wanted to give them the blessing. But you also wanted to seek your face. Jacob was actively seeking his face. He's like, I am not letting go. I am holding on. I want the blessing. God wants to, I'm not saying we have to all wrestle, arm wrestle God or like, he's like, but he's like, no, it's an idea. He's, it's that idea of pressing in and not relenting. We've become so passive in our pursuit for Christ. Again, I, I know it. We're all wrestling with it. Like we become complacent. Our, our prayer times are the first things to go. Our time in the word are the first things to go. We're too busy for it. Like, and I know that we're starting to do this. I, I see, I'm not saying this about you guys, but I know that's the temptation. It's the temptation like, oh, I'm too busy. I got to do the important things first and then. It's like, no, but if I said, God, this is the only thing, I have to give up and fast other things in my life so that I can make space for this. Because if I cling onto this, like, I, like Jacob clung onto you, I will receive that blessing. I will see what you have in store for me. We're committing our ways to the Lord. We're setting our hearts to delight in him. We're setting our desires and our affections toward him. He's that one thing we're after, the one thing we're longing for, and, he's, and we're clinging to the vine. We're digging our roots deep, and we're seeking after him with all that we are. This is the way that God has called us to be, to live. He's like, it's, it's light, though. When you pursue it, when you're seeking after him, it is light. There is a blessing. And I know Fred just, we've talked about it a few times, because like, we're like, some of us are like, man, how do we do this? How do we read the word and get these things out? And you're like, I don't know, I'm just having, I thought it'd be boring, it's been great. <laughs> you know, it's, it's been delight. I've been, I'm receiving revelation from the Lord. He's shown me things. And it's, but, my, but how often do we just give him that? Like if we could give him that time, if we could surrender that time and say, God, what if you have something bigger, bigger for me and, and better for me? Like what if, I mean, like this, some of us have been challenged to pray and read the word for a, an hour a day. That's hard sometimes. That can seem or even two hours a day it might, it might be the stretch goal. But like trying for an hour, how hard would some of us find that? Like, I don't have time. Would that be, what, what would you say? Like, I don't know, what could I surrender to give myself to that time? It's hard. It's, I'm not saying it's easy, but God is challenging some of us to go for that. And I, want, I mean, again, I encourage you to do it too. I mean, 
this doesn't have to be the study thing. I would say, go for that. Say, God, what if I gave myself for an hour, two hours a day, even just an hour would be enough. Just sweet to spend time just reading your word, praying and asking and connecting with your heart before I do anything else. Give me the first fruits. Give you like, you know, like Abel, he would give him the first fruits, the better things, the best things. What if we pursue him and say, God, you're my fascination. I want to surrender anything else that's getting in the way. I want to seek after you with all that I am. Because I just, I, I have this passage, I, I want to talk about more later, but teach me your way, O oh Lord. This Psalm 86, 11, give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. An undivided heart, wholehearted, fully focused on God, seeking after him. You're a tree, you're not a tree in something else. You can't bear fruit, you know that. So we're just seeking after him. As we are bearing, as we're looking after God, as we're seeking him, as we're focusing on these two points, I'm going to read them out again. We are actively pursuing godly fascination. So we're looking for him. And sometimes we think it means looking up. It's like, well, as a tree, you, you're, you're looking down. <laughs> All right, we're, we're digging deep. We're root, being rooted and grounded. So we're actively pursuing him. That's the, our focus And as we do that, as we're pursuing him, we're becoming established and rooted in his love.